$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Mount Holly, North Carolina. This case has gone down in the news and also on social media accounts of those involved, so today's episode is going to be a mixture of what the media reported and how they documented their own lives along the way. That being said, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Stacy and Joshua Hunsucker both went to the same high school in Gaston, North Carolina. Some reports say they were high school sweethearts, while others might argue that online, but nonetheless, the two fell in love, bought a house, got married, and a few years later became parents. In 2013, Stacy and Joshua welcomed their first daughter and they couldn't have been happier, though this joyous moment in their lives did seem to mark the first of a series of tragic events. According to the Shelby Star, Stacy experienced some complications during labor. They weren't specific, but it seems to have been pretty significant. After Stacy's recovery, the family took yet another hit when just five months later, the outlet reports the Hunsucker family's home caught on fire and almost everything they owned got destroyed. Though the family had had a pretty rough year, they weren't about to let that stop them from trying to live their life to the fullest, and for them, that meant adding another sweet baby girl to their lives. In October of 2014, the couple welcomed their second daughter into the world, and again, they were instantly in love. But Stacy suffered complications again. She was released from the hospital not long after giving birth, but she knew that something still wasn't right. By November, the Shelby Star reports that Stacy was taken to the emergency room with low blood pressure and a low heart rate. And while that's scary in and of itself, it only got worse from there. She actually wound up going into full-blown cardiac arrest, and ABC News reports that she was put on a ventilator. Thankfully, though, through time and an incredible team of doctors, Stacy was able to recover and in 2015 was given a pacemaker. It was confusing why this young woman in her late 20s was having all of these sudden heart problems, but the pacemaker gave her and everyone around her some peace of mind. That being said, her health problems did make it hard for her to work. She had worked at a local YMCA, a preschool, and had even been a paralegal, but with all of these scares with her health, she was forced to stay home, which was hard on the family's finances. 
ABC News reports that a family friend made a GoFundMe for the Hunsucker family, saying that after many tests, doctors were still unsure of what was going on and that Joshua was having to stay home and take care of Stacy and their two girls, which had made money tight. They set a goal of raising $20,000 and raised a little over half of that. As time went on, things seemed to get a little better for the family. Joshua went back to work, working as a flight paramedic, the paramedics that life flight people to hospitals. And while he worked, Stacy spent her time at home pouring her energy into her daughters. She was that Pinterest mom who did arts and crafts with her daughters, always looked her best, and always had her hair done, which is like mom level 100, because I know I'm not alone when I say that it's a good day if I even wear real pants. Life for the Hunsuckers was looking great. For three years, it looked like Stacy's health struggles were in their past and that they had nothing but the present to enjoy and their future to look forward to. But all of that came to a crashing halt in September of 2018. On September 23, 2018, reports say that Joshua found Stacy slumped over on the couch, blue and not breathing. She was rushed to the hospital, but they couldn't save her. No one knew what happened. I mean, she had been fine. Sure, she'd had heart problems in the past, but for the last three years, she had been fine. Stacy's parents, and honestly, almost everyone, seemed to want an autopsy done to try and figure out what had happened. But Joshua didn't. According to ABC News, he said he didn't want her cut up. Her initial cause of death was listed as cardiac arrest, but an autopsy was never done. And despite the fact that Stacy wanted to be an organ donor, Joshua had her body cremated. According to WSOC, Stacy's funeral, which followed shortly thereafter, was planned and paid for by Stacy's parents. Everything was happening so fast. Stacy's death, her cremation, her funeral, and even her life insurance payouts. According to 48 Hours, Joshua waited, well, 48 hours, to start the process of claiming the money from two life insurance policies on Stacy, which came to about $250,000. It was at that point Stacy's mom felt like something wasn't right. And while she might have been the first to feel that way, she wasn't the only one to notice that something was off. As time went on, it became apparent that Joshua hadn't told everyone the same story when it came to the circumstances of how he came to find Stacy on the couch that night. According to ABC News, he told Stacy's mom that he was sitting at the kitchen table on his computer with his back towards Stacy when he turned around and found her. But the outlet reports that that was only one of four different stories he told. It's reported that he told a friend that he'd gone out for a walk to burn some energy when he came back and found her, and that he told another friend that he'd found her after he'd gone out back to cut some wood for some signs that he makes. But then there's this one. According to a report by ABC News, Joshua told the officers on scene that he'd gone outside to make sure all of his vehicles were locked when he came back in and found her, saying that there'd been several reports of vehicles being broken into in the neighborhood. In the name of fact-checking, I ran a report on the LexisNexis community crime map and ran it for a radius around the Hunsucker home for the entire month of September 2018. 
It only showed one report of a theft from vehicle, and it was about two miles away. And it wasn't even in a neighborhood. According to the map, it looks like it happened at a local Circle K. A month or so after Stacy's death, on October 27th, after taking a two-month break from Instagram, Joshua was back and posting videos from a boat. The caption said, little rough out this morning, and hashtagged a bunch of fish hashtags, along with some prosthetic eye hashtags. Joshua only has one eye and wears a prosthetic in the other. We don't generally dive deep into hashtags in our episodes, but this will prove to be pretty interesting as time goes on. The following day, Joshua posted more photos from the boat with the caption, Here fishy fishy, who let the guy with one eye drive the boat? November and December were pretty uneventful when it came to any news regarding Stacy's death, because at that point all anyone knew was that it was caused by cardiac arrest. That being said, Joshua's social media was popping with fishing, beer, boats, and some glitter Converse sneakers for Christmas. Four months after Stacy's death, Joshua posted a picture of a coffee cup in his truck, which seems exceptionally boring, right? And it was, except for a part of the caption. He wrote, Someone has me addicted to chai teas, with a unicorn hashtag. There's also a unicorn air freshener attached to his air vent. Now, certainly his very young daughters don't have him addicted to chai teas. So who is someone? Was it possible he'd already moved on and gotten another girlfriend already? Or was that a reach? According to the Shelby Star, by March, Stacy's family said that he already had a new girlfriend, as in, it was clear. According to an affidavit obtained by ABC News, Joshua's new girlfriend had moved in and was visual in Stacy's daughter's life within six months of her death. However, they believe the relationship might have started prior to Stacy's death. We don't know what evidence they have that led them to that conclusion, but it was enough to turn their questions about Joshua into suspicion. Stacy's mom had this gut feeling that her daughter hadn't died of natural causes, so she pleaded for an insurance fraud investigation to be opened. And it worked. In May of 2019, the National Department of Insurance reported that it opened an investigation that spanned their department and also included Homeland Security Investigations and the Gaston County Police Department. And shit got real, real quick. As we already know, Stacy had been cremated. However, prior to Joshua's decision to do so, LifeShare Donor Center had taken a vial of her blood, you know, to see who her organs would have been a match to. Investigators got a hold of that vial of blood and ran tests well beyond the normal toxicology reports. And wouldn't you know, they found something. The Shelby Star reports that investigators found levels of tetrahydrazoline in her blood 30 to 40 times higher than the therapeutic level. Tetrahydrazoline is the active ingredient in over-the-counter eye drops. Now, watching the movie Wedding Crashers might make you think that putting eye drops in someone's drink might give you the shits, but in reality, it's a lot more dangerous than that. According to the Gaston Gazette, when used as directed, putting a drop of over-the-counter tetrahydrazoline drops in your eye will constrict the blood vessels and reduce redness. But if ingested, tetrahydrazoline becomes a neurotoxin that attacks your nervous system and can cause heart failure. And yes, we all just gasped. 
To make this even more sketchy than it already is, just a few weeks prior to Stacy's death, it was all over the local news that a nurse, not far from where they lived, had been arrested for killing her husband using none other than eye drops. While this investigation was going on behind the scenes, Joshua was just out in the world living his best life. He got what he hashtags as a memorial tattoo of a whole mermaid going down his arm. The mermaid has rainbow hair with sunflowers in it, the flower Stacy loved and was used to symbolize her life, and the mermaid's face is Katrina makeup, the makeup associated with the Latin holiday Dia de los Muertos or Day of the Dead. I have done my best to research Dia de los Muertos, so please feel free to contact me if I get any of this wrong. According to my research, Dia de los Muertos is a multi-day holiday for family and friends to gather, pray for, and remember loved ones who have died. On the one-year anniversary of Stacy's death, Joshua took to his Facebook to post a photo of him and Stacy. She's standing beside him with her hand on his chest, smiling from ear to ear, and Joshua wrote, One year ago, our lives changed forever. Not a day goes by that I don't think of her, her encouragement, her smile, how awesome of a mother she was. So much changes when you lose the love of your life and when a child loses their mommy at a young age. Friends, family, relationships, work, some good and some bad, some you understand and some you don't. We choose to live happily because that's what she would want. Three weeks after that, Joshua took to Instagram and posted a photo of a bottle of rum at a local distillery. He captioned it, perfect weather, girls at a sleepover, and waiting for your love to get here. And while Joshua was openly sharing his deep wisdom of Dolly Parton on his social media, i.e. the quote, never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life, investigators were busy interviewing those who knew him. The consensus? According to that affidavit obtained by ABC News, Joshua's colleagues told detectives that he seemed unaffected by Stacy's death. 48 Hours interviewed a babysitter that cared for their daughters after Stacy's death, who told them that he, Joshua, was happy with his new girlfriend. Very happy. It was always about her. Joshua was either suspicious AF, or he was simply a grieving widow who just so happened to find love quickly after his wife's death. Though it looks like the investigation led police to believe the latter, because on December 20th, 2019, Joshua was charged with first-degree murder. He had been taken in for questioning, and according to the Charlotte Observer, his interrogation left authorities with enough probable cause to believe that he had poisoned Stacy with Visine or a similar product, which caused her death. According to a short segment on 48 Hours, they said they wouldn't call his interview a confession, but that it approached that level. The motive? According to the prosecution, they believe it was the $250,000 of life insurance money. At Joshua's bond hearing, his attorney requested a $50,000 bond, which is the low, low end, saying he wasn't a flight risk and that a higher bond would drain his finances or keep him from working, which would stop him from being able to support his daughters. For what it's worth, he was going to have to find a new way to support his daughters anyway because Joshua lost his job that day, but maybe not for the reason you'd assume. According to the Charlotte Observer, his employer released a statement saying, 
we are cooperating with law enforcement on an investigation. We would not want to do or say anything that might interfere with that. Any information would be best served coming from them. Remember this statement for later. Joshua didn't wind up getting that $50,000 bond he asked for. Hell, he didn't even get a $500,000 bond. Joshua was slapped with a $1.5 million bond, and if he were somehow to come up with 10% of that, $150,000, the Shelby Star reports that he'd be required to wear a GPS monitor. WHNT reports that his attorney made a statement and said, There's been an allegation that has been made, and of course, Joshua is to be presumed innocent just like anybody else. He said that Joshua hadn't run from the allegations and had been a law-abiding citizen his entire life, which, let's be honest, has to be the weakest argument ever made by way too many defense attorneys. As if everyone in every prison ever wasn't a law-abiding citizen until they weren't. But hey, like he said, innocent until proven guilty. With the criminal charges finally issued, Stacy's family went ahead and filed their own lawsuit in civil court, a wrongful death suit. When it comes to criminal court, the burden of proof is on the prosecution. They have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that what they say happened, happened. But when it comes to civil court, the plaintiff only has to prove that it's more likely than not that what they say happened, happened. The Gaston Gazette has done a phenomenal job covering this case, and according to their reports, the wrongful death suit alleges that, motivated by his desire to obtain financial gain through the insurance policies and his desire to be with his paramour, defendant, meaning Joshua, intentionally, willfully, and with malice, devised a plan and scheme to murder the decedent. According to the outlet, the lawsuit alleges that following Stacy's death, Joshua bought a $100,000 super boat, paid off the house, and went on several vacations. The wrongful death suit continued on to allege that Joshua put the eye drops in Stacy's drinks over a period of days and that after her death, Joshua arranged for a friend and an outside medical examiner to issue her death certificate, prevented Stacy's parents from obtaining an autopsy, and subsequently had her body cremated. According to the Gaston Gazette, it also alleges that Joshua kept Stacy's parents from seeing their granddaughters after they started questioning Stacy's death and whether or not he might have had any involvement in it. For those wondering, the girls were put into the custody of Joshua's sister following his arrest. The outlet reports that if Stacy's parents win the wrongful death suit, Joshua will have to give back the $250,000 from Stacy's life insurance payouts along with $25,000 in damages. Her parents said that they're only pursuing the lawsuit to benefit their granddaughters, who were five and six at the time. This civil suit rolled a lot faster than the criminal investigation did, and almost as soon as it was filed, WCNC reported that a judge ordered a temporary restraining order, but not against a person, against Joshua's finances. The judge ordered that Joshua not use any of the remaining life insurance money to post his bond, nor could he sell any assets bought with the money, which included any Social Security benefits or money from Stacy's retirement accounts. WCNC actually posted a video from this hearing, and this judge wasn't just going through the motions when he ordered this. He was stern. He told Joshua's attorney that he needed to make all of this clear to his client. And when his attorney said that it had been made clear, the judge said no, and a lot more no's after that. You make it clear to him everything I said. Regardless of all of this, 
Somehow, somehow on Betty White's green earth, Joshua managed to post his bond. And let's reiterate that that would have been roughly $150,000. He got out on Christmas Eve, got his shiny new anklet, and was given a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. curfew. With Joshua back out in the world, Stacy's parents issued a statement reported on by none other than the Gaston Gazette. It read, To our friends, family, church family, and community, we thank you for your unwavering support, friendship, and guidance since Stacy's passing on September 23, 2018. Without your thoughts and prayers, we could not have made it through our first storm. We understand and appreciate the emotions that Mr. Hunsucker's arrest has caused, especially to those who are close to Stacy. We ask that you honor Stacy's memory by taking the high road as we begin our journey through the second storm. To the North Carolina Department of Insurance Criminal Investigations Division, and especially Special Agent Lisa Morgan, we thank you for taking the time to listen and investigate our concerns. Thank you for having faith in us and pursuing every lead until Stacy's cause of death was finally revealed. We owe you a great debt of gratitude for your compassion and your diligent efforts to find the truth. To the Mecklenburg County Medical Examiner's Office, we appreciate all of your assistance. Without you, we would not have been able to procure Stacy's blood samples. To our daughter, Stacy, your mother and father promise you that we will not rest until justice is served. We will do everything in our power to support and care for your beautiful daughters. We will love them as we loved and still love you. We will never let your children forget what a truly amazing mother you were to them. Your spirit and your smile live on through them every day. We have trusted God's timing and will continue to praise and trust him in the midst of this situation. Signed, John and Susie Robinson. The following nine months were pretty quiet. It wasn't until September of 2020, the day before the two-year anniversary of Stacy's death, that the Gaston Gazette reported that Joshua was back in court and claiming to be broke, asking to be declared indigent so the state would help pay for his defense. He claimed to have an income of zero whole dollars and monthly expenses totaling $2,745, which seems like a lot for a guy who paid off his house, but what do I know? His attorney told the courts, given the defendant's current circumstances, his prospects for gainful employment remain dim. Without the ability to hire expert witnesses as well as an investigator, the defendant will be deprived of a fair trial. In the end, Joshua was declared indigent. And while it might make you want to throw a side eye or 11, everyone is entitled to a fair trial even if you can't afford it. And frankly, you want a fair trial. You don't want wrongful convictions, and you want rightful convictions to stick. Another four months went by without any news on neither the criminal nor civil end, but then both happened. The Gaston Gazette reports that Stacy's parents filed a motion asking the courts to revise the custody order that put their granddaughters in the care of Joshua's sister and instead asked the girls to be placed with them. The prosecution requested that a judge review DSS records for the girls. They didn't ask to view them themselves. They wanted the judge to go through them and, if he found anything that might be relevant, to provide it to both the prosecution and the defense. All evidence available has to go to both parties so the prosecution can make their case and the defense can build their own. The judge agreed and actually did wind up giving them something. We don't know the exact details, but it was access to any statements the girls made about their mother's death and any statements their father or adult family members might have made to them. As a whole, Stacy's case had been moving along pretty slow, but January of 2020 was a freaking doozy. 
Because not only were DSS records being combed over and handed over to the prosecution and defense, WCNC reports that a grand jury indicted Joshua on additional charges, insurance fraud and obtaining property by false pretenses. The insurance fraud investigation is what started this entire thing. So while I'm no expert, if the grand jury came to this conclusion about these specific charges, it sounds like they have one hell of a case. The next 1100 months of Joshua's life, including the girlfriend he's still with, were documented heavily on social media. So here it goes. To start things off, it started with vague posts from his girlfriend about how she pays for her own vacations. But in July of 2020, she posted a photo of herself wearing what clearly looks like a wedding set. Engagement ring and all, though no mention was ever made of getting engaged or married. It almost had this icky, I'm giving you something to talk about vibe. His girlfriend also posted about the unicorn hashtags we mentioned earlier and said that she hates unicorns. Okay and that they don't have anything to do with her. In August of 2020, Joshua posted a photo of a sunflower to his Instagram account, the symbol frequently used to represent Stacy's life, but included the fact that his girlfriend is the one who sent him the picture. Mad Icky Watts vibes going on? If you know, you know. In September of 2020, there was a photo posted of the two of them holding hands with that wedding-looking set on her hand and still no mention of an engagement or marriage. Joshua is not wearing a wedding ring. I'm going to add it in here that last Saturday, August 25th, 2021, this continued with a video that started out showing the bottom of his girlfriend's hand with what clearly looked like the bottom of that set. When she turned her hand over, she was wearing a ring pop. The caption read, wait a minute, with a hmm emoji. She hashtagged engaged, engagement ring, and engagement before hashtagging, but are we really? And I think I'm funny. In October of 2020, Joshua posted a picture of a fake skeleton buckled into his passenger seat. He talked about how he knows people who have theirs in their closet and says that his ride's with him because he's honest. In another post, he talked about how one day you'll see the messages between him and his beautiful mermaid, and then says you'll also see messages between others. He wrote that a day doesn't go by that he didn't tell her, Stacy, she was beautiful. Joshua wrote that it's okay to listen to the story that's been fed to you, just know that it's fictional. And it was at that point that he started hashtagging the Innocence Project and wrongful conviction, even though he hasn't been convicted of anything yet. Joshua went on and started giving out free legal advice, saying not to talk to the police without an attorney because they probably already have you pegged as guilty and will try to coerce you to admit guilt with different interrogation techniques and psychology interactions. He later said that you shouldn't even talk to the police without an attorney, even if you're just a witness. Joshua said he went in without an attorney and he knew better, that his attorney even asked him why he would do that and says that they're still trying to have more charges put on him. This is where he started tagging the Wrongful Conviction podcast, which, by the way, seems to be a pretty well-respected podcast. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the advice of getting an attorney before talking to police. I suppose the source the advice comes from determines how it feels when it's delivered. He goes on to post more from the Wrongful Convictions podcast and said, 
Did you know that America is the only English-speaking country where law enforcement can lie to you about evidence during an interrogation? He later added that they can tell you you failed a polygraph when you actually passed. And I mean, that's all true, but that doesn't mean you have to go telling people shit that isn't true if, in fact, that's what happened. He hashtagged false confession. In December of 2020, Joshua changed his focus from interrogations to grand juries. You know, like the one that indicted him on those insurance fraud and obtaining property by false pretenses charges. He wrote about how the grand jury has outlived its usefulness to protect the innocent, and prosecutors have so much power that they can get a jury to indict a ham sandwich, which frankly seems like a slap in the face to every juror capable of making their own decisions. His post went on to talk about how he used to pay for people's stuff without them knowing, how he donated to charities and even sometimes paid for his work partner's snacks and meals, but that all of that was taken away because of immoral and unethical people. He continued by saying, but hey, cool story about all the luxurious stuff I bought and gifted someone. He then tagged his girlfriend and asked if she'd found the imaginary luxurious gifts yet because he was still looking as well. He later mentioned a trip to Ireland that he says he won at a charity auction and a trip on a private plane and said that people will find out who paid for it eventually. He hashtagged widower and widow life. Two days later, he posted a photo from what looks like a lake and tagged Supra Boats and wrote, maybe a new place to dock the boat in the future. You can't make this shit up. You also can't make up what happened in March of this year, 2021. In a swift kick of what in the actual fuck, Joshua was handed new charges, but these had nothing to do with Stacy's alleged murder. No, no. He was charged with felony burning to personal property, but not his property, a fucking helicopter. A medical helicopter at that. If you recall, dude was a flight medic. According to a warrant obtained by WCNC, Joshua was charged with lighting fire to a syringe pump during flight back in November of 2019. That was the month before he was charged with first-degree murder. That statement from his employer makes a whole lot more sense now. Since the fire charge, Joshua has continued living his life, posting on social media, and joined what he calls a community of tiny living. I checked the North Carolina court docket, and his only pending court date was scheduled for November and was for the fire charge. I called the court to see if there were any pending charges for the murder charge and was told that they're waiting for the DA to set one. As recently as last Friday, August 24th, 2021, Joshua shared a post to his story from CIFS Justice on Instagram. It read, just like doctors and humans, forensic pathologists can fall victim to cognitive biases and other errors, but historically that has been underrecognized. What's more, forensic pathologists have not had the same quality control as other medical specialties. Systems should be in place to identify and rectify inevitable mistakes. To this day, Joshua maintains his innocence and is awaiting trial. As this case progresses, have no doubt that I will be updating you. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Stacy's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, which is next Monday. 
All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you two brand new cases a week from today, one regular release and one for Patreon, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. 